Welcome all to Stretch Podcast. I'm your host, Eugene Torrance. Yeah, we're back at it again. We have another guest. Man, I'm really excited. This gentleman comes with no introduction. And I'm excited to have the privilege to actually, actually have a talk to him. It's uh, Vince Taylor, five-time Mr. O. Welcome. Hey, Gene. Thank you very much. Appreciate the invite, my brother. Man, I am stoked. And I'm going to tell you something. I, I'm going to tell you how I found you. I'm really excited. To, I'm, how I found you was Milo Sarchez posted it. Oh, I started following him. And he posted uh-huh. And every time he posted a video up, I'm like, that's Vince. Like, <laughs> and then I seen, then I, I followed you. And I was like, he got, some, he got a piece of equipment, Vince Griff. What is this? I'm like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, and I started following you and I started seeing your content and everything that you were posting up. But man, I was like really excited to see that you were really healthy. Man, you look young. Thank you for for a sixty four year old, just turned sixty four. Uh, old man, I feel pretty good. <laughs> really, man, you look better than some forty five year old man out here. <laughs> and, and, and I seen your video, man. I seen you doing some curls. I'm like, uh-huh. this, this guy got Popeye arms. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a leftover for being that professional bodybuilder. I've been in that way. When you mentioned Milo Sarvich is also a professional bodybuilder that I had an opportunity to compete with. A good friend of mine from Yugoslavia, uh, living in the U.S. now. But uh, back in the, man, 91, 92, 93 era. Uh, that's when I, you know, got together with Milos and as friends. And hey, I've been doing professional bodybuilding, building these arms because that's what's one of the attractions I had to muscles. And it became a, a signature for me. Got into that game, wanting some arms like these bodybuilders I saw on TV. And then years later, I developed world class arms and get myself written up in the history books as well. Yeah, yeah, you definitely did because I remember as a kid, I used to watch you. I'm like, man. Everybody love Vince Taylor. Everybody Vince Taylor. Everybody love Vince Taylor. Don't count Vince out. So Vince, you I mean you came in in shape like all the time? I, I, I never. I, I don't know if I remember you seeing you off. Um, I had a few of those off days, man, trying to learn the sport because it came from getting into something like bodybuilding, not knowing about it, um, getting my education from experience day to day working out reading magazines and just mm-hmm. looking and learning and that was trial and error no coaching so you you learn a lot of things and that's kind of the experience i picked up just from getting involved in it yeah yeah i remember when i was started bodybuilding my pops i call him pops but my pops uh-huh. kinda, he taught me everything i knew as a kid i think i met him when i was like about 13 years old and i was having some personal issues and i ran into him and I'm like, this dude changed my life. So he's the reason why I kept me, I kept myself out of trouble, just getting into bodybuilding, fitness, everything about it. Cause I feel like my God, my, my purpose was on this earth was fitness. Cause you know, I walk and breathe fitness and I understand the body at a, on a different level than most people mm-hmm. because I'm a student of my craft. So man, I love it. I love it. It saved my life. It keep me out of prison. It keep me out of trouble. <laughs> So fitness was really, really important to me. It's like a staple of my life. So I don't, I don't think I would change anything. So uh, understandable. Yeah. So after bodybuilding, I noticed that when you stop competing. Yes. I actually stopped the two year 2000. I think my last master's championship was 2001. Okay. Then I more or less got away from the whole game after about four years, four and a half years of retirement from bodybuilding. And I turned 50 years old. Then I went back and started competing again. 
to see if I could do it again. 2006, actually. And uh, at 50, I came back into the game. And then a couple of years later, I had to throw everything to the side because of, you know, lower back injury. But um, after 2007, I was like done with bodybuilding. Okay. Okay. What was that? That long time, but uh, young blood was around. Yes, actually, he was the one. The reason why I actually stopped competing. That was my master's fifth win. Uh, I was going after my sixth title win because I scheduled myself when I developed a, a keen sight to, to you know compete in the masters, Mr. Olympia. When they made that category available to me, I had just turned forty, and you had to be forty and over to get in that new division, Masters Miss Olympia. Really? So when I got into it, I was just 40. I get 39, actually. So I had to wait. And when they caught that division open, I was like, I'm, man, going on 40 now, and I'm top three, top five in the world at the age of 40. And if I did the Masters, I could win that show for 10 years. Yep, so my nice. goal was to develop myself, transition myself from the open Masters open class uh, young guy division, I guess you could call it, just mm-hmm. a normal uh, Mr. Olympia. And that new division was Masters over 40. I'm just hitting 40, so now let's go after that. So then, hey, you know what, Vince? You could be like your good buddy and friend, Lee Haney. He's got eight sandals. I think I could win at least 10 Masters Mr. Olympias after being second runner-up to Lee Haney twice in the open Mr. Olympia when I first got into bodybuilding in really? 1991. Didn't know that. Oh, yeah. That was my first initial bodybuilding Mr. Olympia debut was 1989. I started training in 1984. Wow. Okay. So it took me about three or four years just to develop my understanding of a bodybuilding and a physique that took me two years to win the Mr. America contest in 1986 because I first wanted to be Mr. America all my life. Uh, when I was just a kid, I was just fascinated with muscles. Mr. America, that was the thing. So that came, left me when I was in high school. That was gone. So when I went to Europe and at the age of 27, started training again, that's when I caught my sights on the Mr. Olympia. But at the first was Mr. America, because that was the gateway to bodybuilding for me. So I was able to win the Mr. America in 87 after only been training for two years. Tore my bicep in 86, 87. That area, uh, doctor told me I was finished, couldn't train anymore, but I got back into it, stayed with it extended my training abilities into the 88 and I came over to uh, compete and uh, Mr. America won and I heard about the Nationals and the NPC League because uh, Mr. America was AEU. Mm-hmm. So when I heard about the NPC, which I knew nothing about, I'm living in Berlin, Germany at the time. And uh, so I flew over and I did the America and I heard about the NPC, came back again a couple months later and I qualified for the NPC uh, Nationals which I didn't know anything about there either, which was the highest best championships for amateur athletes for the NPC Nationals. Yeah. And I got fourth, fifth in that. I was like, wow, it's okay. I tore my bicep up and came back and got that. Man, no training, very new at this game. By 88, I had won Lee Haney's national championships because 87, I told, I told everybody, I said, listen, if you like me now, you'll love me next year because I tore my bicep just the year I was trying to get ready for this show. So I'm got a, I got a year to heal. I'll be back next year. And I came back and won the overall national championship, 1988, in Atlanta, Georgia with Lee Haney. And then six months later, I did the Night of Champions. I won that, my first pro show. Okay, now this is all from a rookie. because He just started in 1987. Man, you well accomplished. <laughs> Man, I just blew up. It's 84. 
starting off, won a local show in Germany, and then got my sights on the 80, a year and a half later. I said, okay, go to America, man, do the America. Went over there and won that. So while you're here, try that, and you qualify for the Nationals, which was like huge. Then you come back the following year, and you win the Nationals. So I'm like, in four years, you went from zero to hero. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> and that started my career. I don't think my doing it right now. That's, that's not normal right now. No, that's not a that's not a path that a lot of people have been had the luxury to enjoy. I step back, and I know getting off subject a little bit, Eugene. I think back about the onset of the bodybuilding and fitness and wellness and all of that. It came out of a nutshell of just being fit, your athlete in high school and everything. So now, when you move move on and you're not playing that you know high school ball anymore, or you didn't get to collegiate level, just a 27 year old guy now living in Europe. And playing basketball on the weekends, finally started to start picking up bodybuilding. But the age of 27, not the teenagers that I was competing against when I started competing, it was like, wow, 27, train a little bit. By the time I'm 30, I'm top, almost top three in the world. So this was crazy. And people asked me about my development. Man, how did you do that? I didn't have a trainer. I had no trainer, no dietitians, no, none of this stuff. Me, myself, and I. You know, so I read some magazines and started training, man, and I made it to the top in the world. You know what? And that's actually good because I think a lot of people now, they make it so complex. And it's not really it's not really that complex. You eat healthy. You keep you reduce your stress. You work with your spirit and, and think everything mm-hmm. comes along. I think people are making it too complex. What do you think about that? I agree because they you take I think you take the average person, male or female looking into fitness and betterment, let's say looking into wellness and you want to do competitions, you want to be in, involved in that, that, that bodybuilding aspect of it, taking it to that level, not your everyday trainer, but the everyday person training, Joe Public, and you take a person who's dedicated themselves to probably to be a professional athlete or even just competing, getting on that stage, that whole regimen requires a whole lot of uh, mental preparation. And a lot of people think because so many people are doing it. There's a certain way that it has to be done. It has to be done with this amount of weight. It has to be done with this amount of reps. This all this stringent detail. But when you actually get involved into doing it and building your physique, and or anybody building their personal physique, you're going to find out that it's all going to be regulated by what you put in it. It's not what you know. It's how you do it on a repetitive basis, daily, how you mentally prepare yourself for it and physically prepare yourself for it and nutritionally get everything together. And this is not going to be something uh, set in stone. It's going to be all trial and error. And that's what a lot of people need to understand. Stop thinking that you got to go. There's ABCs to this. You got to go this way. and It's the only way it isn't. You have to accept it, take on that task, train your body, Utilize your own sensitivity when something is too heavy, too hard. Use common sense to say, I don't have four more reps to do this. You know what I mean? Not take on that onset. I have to do it because this is the way it's done. That's the things you learn when you're on any level of this training. And your body will develop depending on how you pay attention to it. I do agree. I do agree with you. I see kids. Don't overdo it. Yeah, I see kids in the gym all the time. I, I think things have changed drastically because a lot of athletes... A lot of kids look up for these athletes. They have no guidance. So they want to know. Mm-hmm. The magazine is not available like they used to be. It's all fluff and buff. So now you mm-hmm. see an actual professional or a guy that looks a certain way this young person will look like. They're not really looking at, okay, this is how it should be. This You go from the basics. They look at that athlete. Man, this guy looks fantastic. 
That's how I want to look. So guess what they do? They, right. imi- they imitate these people. Imitate. Yeah. And then they don't understand that what they're doing, it may not be right for your body. It may be, mm-hmm. but it's not something you should dove into just so soon into the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and that's crazy because the injuries come up. The kids don't look the way they want to look. Even bodybuilders right. don't look the same anymore. Then back in your era, Everybody was clean and crisp. Everybody came on. Mm-hmm. Everybody was spot on every single time. You couldn't, you could nick on down and pick who would win something based off of <laughs> that any given day. Now right. it's different. Everybody looks like, everybody looks off. <laughs> it looks off. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. They look off. <laughs> yeah, they look overinflated, overinflated, and then look off. Mm-hmm. See, you guys back then, you guys were lean. You guys were cut. You wasn't over big. You guys were just, it was perfect. Perfect symmetry. Yeah. I think that evolution, the next level, it always takes away from the primary beginning because you lose something in that transition. But they accept that newness because that's a new look. Mm-hmm. But if you go back and you stay basic and you say, well, wow, if you train a certain way, you look a certain way, this is what the quality of that look is. Cultivate that quality. But then the days era and even pretty much after that, after I think uh, Lee Haney's reign, when Dorian Yates came into the game plan, everything was big. Oh, yeah. Everybody's got to get bigger and it never stopped. Yeah. So now you have a whole new different quality. You, you sure do. And it does look the same. And I guess I gonna personally, I look, I know that looked really good at that time was Ronnie Coleman. And I yeah. see, I see Ronnie all the time in Arlington. What he did was some totally different, but that's something that will never happen again. And <laughs> so that's here or there. So that is totally correct. Yeah, it is. So you, so did you tell me you strained your bicep? I, I tore my left bicep. Really? You, um, you can't tell. Let me tell you, man. I, I tore it in 1986, I believe it was. Like I said, I just had started bodybuilding in 84, and I was just training. And the story behind it was I started bodybuilding when I was in Berlin, Germany. And when I saw my idol, James uh, John Brown, was visiting in Germany. Actually, he was doing an exhibition at a bodybuilding contest, which I had that moment in time, I wasn't into bodybuilding anymore. I have happened to be down on the main street in, in Berlin, Germany, and I saw this big brother walking down the street, man, and everybody was just, heads was, you know, just snapping. Who is this big brother? You can imagine this big, dark brother coming down the street, 6'2", 240, wearing tight, tight, skin tight that we used to wear back in the day, 84, 85 years. Mm-hmm. And um, the dude had a V-shaped monster arms, quads out of this world, micro mini waistline. He looked like a cartoon character. That was bodybuilding thrown at me, right? When I'm like, that's what I want to look like again. So I walked up on to John Brown. We spoke. He told me where he was exhibitioning that night. I came to the venue. We met. We talked and everything. And it was like, wow, that is why I would like to get some muscles because everybody's just looking at this guy. And I want to look like that. <laughs> See, I want to look like that. Wow. And he had a look to him, man, that was is amazing. So that was my first into my immediate attention to trying to change my physique. And to follow that pattern of wellness and health and taking it to another level. Wow, man. You see yeah. that. You want to mimic that. And he was a perfect example. Wow, that's good. Then my, my purpose for getting the body was something totally different. I used to get bullied as a kid. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, so I got into working out because I figured it made me stronger and look better. And it kept kids off me. So, you know how it is when you grow up in a certain right. way. You got to, people take, that's why I said it, it, it helped me mentally, but, and it gave, gave me physical confidence when I started doing it. And mm-hmm. as I grew up and got older, things improved and I never had any problems afterwards. So 
Man, that's a nice story. Jim Brown. I'm going to look him up. John Brown. John Brown. Yeah, John Brown, man. John see, John was, uh, man, amazing. John was probably the, the saw him and met him, and I saw him doing his posing routine. He was known at that time working, competing in the NABA Federation. He just switched over, I believe, to the IFBB. But he was in the NABA Federation. He's already three times Mr. World, three times Mr. Universe. Okay? So he had those accolades when I saw him. And when I saw that big brother moving, I'm like, whoa, whoa, the bodybuilding is cool. Okay. So he, he was my guy, John Brown. Okay, I'm going to look him up, man. I'm going to do some research on him. I, I never heard of him before. I just, I just know yeah. you, Lee Haney, you know, in the, in the old world. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know anything yeah. about him. Man, John is amazing, man. When it comes down to posing, that's where I learned everything I learned from John Brown. He started me into posing. He'll, you'll hear the same thing with Sean Ray. He also mentored Sean Ray. He was Sean Ray's uh, introduction to bodybuilding as well. And John's worked with quite a few of the bodybuilders that, when you speak of posing, okay. their names pop up right away. You have Melvin Anthony, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, myself, Melvin Anthony, Sean Ray. We were students that took tips from John Brown in really? the posing aspect. Because he was known for that. And, bruh. You ain't seen posing with John Brown. <laughs> wow. But you, but you yeah. know what? I used to watch you know, Olympia. used to come on the TV back then, ESPN. Uh-huh. The posing was different than it was long time yeah. ago. It's, it's not, it's like you guys took pride in the posing. Posing was just as important as the workout and the look. Yeah. It, it was like one in one. It's not the same now. It, it's, I don't know, it, it's different now. To me, it, I think it's yeah. different. I think it is. It, it's, it's very valid in its uh, compulsory posing rounds, prejudging. You have to be your mandatory that section of the posing. But in the evening hours, when your free posing comes into play, where that was also a very highly scored round, three rounds of bodybuilding judging, those were the rounds. So you had that posing round was, was the final round. So you had to have something during that time to simulate, emulate muscle and motion. And that's when everybody posing a certain way, the most musculars and, you know, just your standard posing. And then I saw that late into 91 and decided I got to do something about the way we pose. And that's when I came up with that Terminator routine. And I I changed posing for the whole industry of bodybuilding for the existing days. Okay. I went robotic on everybody and that thing, it never fails. I had, yeah, that's my claim to fame. Vince Taylor changed the posing Reality and bodybuilding. Yeah, I, I hang I remember, my hat on that one. Yeah, I, I remember that too. I remember that when you did the the, the, the Terminator routine, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I, I watched it on TV, like what? And uh, <laughs> now, now you see a lot of guys that that do that routine as well. I think, yeah, Melvin Anthony did it did one time. I oh yeah, King Kamali, Melvin yeah. Anthony. This thing hit so hard; it's just worldwide. That's my claim to fame. Posing, Vince Taylor. I'm not known as the biggest bodybuilder. Okay. Sure, I won more bodybuilding contests than anybody out there at a stretch of time. I was the first guy to win 22 world titles. Yeah. The closest guy to me was Kevin Leverone at the time. He was like coming up with 16 or something like that because he was on a roll at the point. But when I came out and started competing in my short little span of competition, people don't realize that. From the time I hit that stage, man, I was winning for like the first three years. I put in 22 world titles. Okay, so... People are looking at that, or four years, I'm sorry. People are looking at that going, wow, he's got 22. Who's the closest? Nobody close to me. Nobody. Then years later, Dexter finally started competing, and then he, he started winning some shows. But you got to realize, I, in a very short span, I came out from 89 or 88 to win the Olympia, or third in the Olympia, rather, to 91, we got third again. 
And then up until, let's see, 2006, well, I mean, 2001, where I finished my master's, we had 22 world titles in those five years. Nobody's done that. No. Not even close. <laughs> no, no. These guys now, they own the day and off tomorrow, own the day, off mm-hmm. tomorrow. And they're never consistent but, because of what is, what's going on, what they're doing. Right, Joe. But I walk away with that posing thing, man. So that's one of the highlights you know, for me and bodybuilding. That's what that gives you that little brand. You know, Vince Taylor, hey, he wasn't the biggest, but he was the baddest poser we ever see. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that, like I said, outside the bicep, I, I don't recall you ever having, because you did some of the shows back then, and you always mm-hmm. were on point. Your injuries were a minimum, because like I said, Lee Haney yeah. always preached, Hey, I don't train crazy, and I I I, I, exactly. I, I, I watch some of your. I don't think you train the way that people train today. You train more with respect for the body and stay yeah. focused with more or less the contractional movements and stimulate. That's where I've seen you train. So what do you exactly? That has been my forte of training. I'm not and was not built to be that super strong guy. That whole mental thing that I hear people just say from day one till today, you, know, you got to train heavy, you got to train big, got heavy, go home. I utilize weights that allow me to be constructive. It allowed me to do what I needed to do, get it done. It was healthier for my body to react and respond. I listened to what was going on with my body as I'm training. And I wasn't forcing it to make things happen. So my whole quality of training was based on feeling, execution, regularity, and not based on raw poundage. I got to get this heavy stuff up because that's going to create a whole new different approach to your training, trying to be that power guy. That just wasn't me. So my whole training reflected that. So let me ask you a question. So what do you think about the training aspect now and how athletes, how how the general public perceives training and what is wellness to the average, like example, you walk to the gym. So mm-hmm. kid walks up to you and said, hey, I want to look like this. What, what approach do you have for this person to help them mentally get themselves in position to achieve their goals when it comes to training? Normally, I'd always take the first question in, in any era, even if I go back then, even to today, and I've done it recently. The question was, hey, man, I want to get to this position. I want to look like this. I want to look like that. How realistic is that goal? That's the first thing I ask each and every one of the people who come up with you with this picture, right? I want to look like this. Do you actually think you can look like that? Now, are you willing to go through everything it takes to go get on that level? Because looking at it and walking into the gym is not going to put you on that level of, of a photograph that you're looking at. Okay. So understand what it is you want to achieve. And then you got to look at physically, do you, are you built to, to get that look? You got guys who want to be uh, my gosh, you, they want to be monsters. They're like five foot 10. Uh, they win about 175 and, and they want to be a 380 pound bodybuilder. I want to look like this. That's when you got to start asking the reality of what you're asking for. Yeah. That, 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 that's crazy. <laughs> that, that's crazy for anybody to want to do that. I used to want to yeah. be that way at five ten, but I weigh like about 250, 260, but I'm like, no, mm-hmm. that's, that's crazy. That's, that's, that's unhealthy and it's heavy and there's a lot of stress on your body to deal with that. But the but now, when you take level. right, when you take the not, the normal on the average Joe public, and that's my people. Okay, I'm like your approach to what you're trying to do to change your physique should be based on what it is you're trying to get. You know, look at yourself. What is it you're trying to do? Now, if you're not trying to emulate a bodybuilder, you want the round shoulders, the separated muscle. That's a whole new different direction of training. 
Now, if you're just trying to get yourself back into a wellness look, a fit look, a healthy look, then understand what you're asking your body to do. You're asking your body to be tasked. You're asking, it's almost like calisthenics. Okay. I'm going to put together a regime, a, a program mm-hmm. that's systematically designed to train each muscle. Now, when I say train each muscle, what are you asking you? What is your, what is your definition of train? You see, nowadays, Eugene, people, they throw words out. I want to train. I want to train. What does training mean to you? Does training mean going to the gym on an ABC detailed program? Is that what you mean, training? Or is it execution of what you are doing with your program? Is that what you're talking about? Training, how you are training, the intensity of that movement or the exercise, the exertion you're putting into it. Identify to me what do you mean by training your muscle, okay? So if they're training it for strength, then I got an approach for you. I got a conversation for you. Strength training is like this. I'm just training to feel good, to feel, keep my body fitness, wellness. That's a whole new different level of training, Okay, attempt to training, approach to training, worth getting you done with calisthenics, light resistance training, something that's going to task the muscle, give your body a resistance that you can just power through to keep your keep the green light going, the positive light going into the body. Okay, so if you're doing some exercise, do you, you hear that old forte? Do something rather than don't do anything. That's true. And to me, that's called muscle activation. Okay, so when people talk to me about training, I say. You want to train, that's a blueprint detail, or you just want to do something to do some muscle activation to get those muscles moving, okay, get your joints and everything, physical fitness, that's a different approach. So again, that's, you see where I'm coming from? Are you training or are you activating? What's your goal? Okay. So when they can tell me what they're after, then I got I got I got the next move. Okay. But until then. But how, how mental is it for you if, uh, and I give an example, when like I said, for what I do for a living, people mm-hmm. think it's, it's really simple to do just this, just to pick up this, to pick up this. There is thinking, there is thought process involved in this. There's mental health issues that need to be addressed when you're starting working out because you're going to know why you're doing. Can you stay focused at this situation? Where, where are you at mentally? Because you figure that when you activate the muscles doing a workout, you have to be all there. You can't be stressed about nothing at home in order to command what you're trying to do, command the growth that you're trying to you know, bring about. So how, how do you get a person that mind space to get them to that point to help them achieve their goals when it comes to just being wellness is just general activity? My approach to that is to put out a platform that says, listen, what I'm doing is a tune-up, body tune-up, mental and physical body tune-up, okay? This will cover you in a wellness or a fitness or any level of healthiness that you're trying to try for mentally preparing yourself for that is knowing what it is you're trying to do with your body. Okay. And once you the process, what you're trying to do, that other part of it comes lighter. The stress of how to do it becomes easier because you know what you're trying to do. That's the first thing. A lot of people are in it. They want that, but they don't know how to get there. They say they want to be healthy and fit, but they don't understand what healthy and fit is healthy and fit meaning you personally putting together routines that's going to that's going to streamline certain things about your cardiovascular training. You're going to be doing breathing techniques and different things to work on that cardiovascular. Then you start doing mental preparation training. How do you stimulate your mind? Mental stimuli that you use. Okay. Stuff like that. You, you, you categorize things okay. before you get to that physical exertion. Okay. But you got to understand it. 
Okay. And, and, I, and I think that's not something that's actually taught now. It's just almost just give me a workout, give me a program. That's it. Yeah. And I think a conversation is always important, especially when you work on someone and they're trying to achieve goals and they're trying that's to get it. themselves in that position to look like they want, look like their ideal person. Mm-hmm. And because people may be running from situations, they may not like themselves. So they're depending on you right. as being a, because I think I was, I've read somewhere that that like trainers, therapists, trainers were the first doctors back then in the sense mm-hmm. of physical perspective, which is exercise, because they said back then exercise was just as important as doing anything else in your life. Because you keep your body strong, keep your bones strong, you were able to be functional long term. Absolutely. So the trainer's job or somebody in the wellness space is just as important as any physician, chiropractor, whatever out there is, I think it's equal in my eyes. I agree. My eyes. So you, you did some to your bicep. How did you rehab yourself on your bicep? I'll keep going back to the bicep because I, mm-hmm. I, I want to, I want to go forward with, you know, what your product you have now and I've uh-huh. used it myself. So I want to go, I want to know how you did what you did with your bicep because your bicep looks really good for what happened to happen to go on forward now to get yourself in a situation. You won titles, you continue winning despite what you had going on, but right. how did your training change and what product that you, how did you improvise? Creasy? Well, that was easy because uh-huh. I'm going to take you back to 1980. I want to say 85 or 86. I'm going to say middle of 85. Uh, exactly when I got injury, which was backstage lifting. I was getting ready to reap one of my benefits of starting out to be a bodybuilder in, in Germany. And I had gotten, I won a local show. And then all of a sudden I was like, the guys were like, Vince, you don't need to compete in these shows. You should be our guest poser because we like to, you on that level already. That's shocking to me. But I'm like, okay, fine. I was just guest posing. And I was sitting backstage. I had a seven and a half pound dumbbell. And I was warming up, just doing some light curls, um, getting ready. I, I can hear this guy now asking me, am I ready? Vince, you got two minutes. You'll be on stage. Two things happened in that night. Remember I said before I met, had met John Brown. And John Brown had came back to Germany about yeah, within that same era, time frame rather. He came back about that, mm, a year later and we met up again. And that's where I was going down to a show to do an exhibition I was all excited about. And he was in town. So he was just coming over to see the show. So that was perfect for me, man. My guy is in town. I get it. Wow. And then he was going to be on stage as well. So this was an opportunity for me to be on stage with my idol. I saw that was, it was an amazing evening setting up. So I'm backstage, I'm warming up. The guy says to me, Vince, you're, you're about two minutes to go, ready to go. I said, yes, I am. I grabbed the dumbbell and I started going for curls, last rep, right arm, five curls, left arm, five curls. When I got to the fifth curl, it went, I felt like a, a, a rag was tearing. I heard a towel tear. And a sounding voice. And I looked at my, my bicep and a bad boy just, just started quivering a little. And then a big, huge black spot came right in the middle of my forearm. And I'm like, what the hell is this? I have one hand on my bicep. I'm sitting in a sitting position. My right hand is on my left bicep and I'm holding it and it's just flopping. So John Brown walked up to me and he said, Taylor, what's going on? I said, John, I don't know. what's going on here, man? He said, oh my God, Taylor, you tore your bicep. I said, get out of here. So I did a bicep shot and the bicep just, I could flex it. It popped up, dropped back down, popped up. So it was still attached, but it was torn at the, at the tendon. So a man, a good friend of mine happened to be in the audience with a surgeon. 
And uh, he came backstage. He said, man, Vince, what's going on? I showed it to him. He said, oh, my God. He said, you tore your, your bicep. And he said, he said, you're done. You're, Excuse me? He said, so I went on stage, did my little posing routine. I could, you know, I could still move my arm, finish posing. John came on stage. I was posing him a little bit, enjoying my night. Next morning, I was in, uh, went to the hospital, and he, he put me in, and he did the surgery the day after that. So after that point, he told me on a rehab on it, something, listen, we had to literally take the tendon from the bottom of the belly of your bicep, and we had to drill a hole through the forearm and pull the tendon inside that bone marrow, bone in the forearm, and hoping that bone would go around that tendon mm-hmm. to, to anchor it again. And that being said, the mechanics of your arm curling up motion, that tendon being attached to that bicep to that forearm, that's where your resistance is going to be. So he told me then, he said, I don't think you should do bodybuilding anymore because that tendon may never be secure enough in that rehabbing it to be back into the form. So it probably, it may be pulled out when you do certain exercises like barbell curls, pull-ups, and things like that. So I would suggest if you're going to continue to train, use cables. Use the cable machine. It's less resistance. And he showed me how I can turn my arm and everything. And he showed me how the bicep would move by a certain directions of my thumb. If I was out shaking your hand, for example, my thumb was straight up. He showed me the long tendon attachment, how the tendon bicep would stretch. But when I rolled my wrist to the left fall, he saw the movement of the tendon in the bicep would, would expand. So he said, you don't want direct pulling on that tendon. So therefore, use cables that won't allow you to have so much weight that you can use that would create that problem. But better yet, forget about bodybuilding and go swimming. So that's what he told me about using cables for this arm and while I was trying to um, train again, not to force it with that. And that made sense to me because I didn't need all that power to contract that bicep. So it turned me into a cable guy, which I'm so happy. (laughs) Changed my whole approach to training. And and you know what? I know guys that... I know powerlifters that mess, that blow their elbows out because I had a client I worked mm-hmm. with that messed his elbow really good. And I worked with him for a long time. So I had to work on his own radius and I had to work on his bicep and tricep too. That's actually a really excellent point. A lot of people that tear their biceps, like another guy, uh, Larry Willer, I, I watched him on YouTube too. He tore his bicep and he's still constantly back at doing the same exact thing. And you yeah. can see his biceps. It's, it's crazy. It doesn't make any sense to do that. When you so first of all, there was an issue with the with the tent, with the muscle, regardless anyway, because of if your muscles tear like that means you have a lot of fascia underneath the right. tissues that are damaged, and that means mm-hmm. the muscles are not being stretched during the contractional movements. So that's what mm-hmm. that means. So when you're doing like dumbbells, curls, you're not really con- stretching the muscle; you're more or less contracting them. Now, with, and I noticed with your vent grips that I've used it myself, you're stretching mm-hmm. the muscle. You're stretching the muscle, elongating the muscle, but then you contract it. So you're doing two at one, if that right. if that makes any sense. And I think based off using your product, you got to step back and reevaluate. How did I get injured? You exactly. Know, then, you know, was the weight I was lifting? What was weak? Somebody had to be weak in that situation. Somebody had not mm-hmm. been able to support the, the movement that you were trying to do. So that's why I, I kept hitting on the bicep situation because and but because you had an injury, you know, but then it created another way of training in your mind going forward. Right. And- Which is totally correct. And I'm going to just throw that in there, too, because like you differentiated between the tear, 
See, when some folks have that muscle belly tear, different type of injury there versus the muscle belly, and then you have that tendon attachment. And when that tendon tears, it's going to be torn from either from its anchoring point, which is yep. the, into the bone. Yep. Okay. So what causes that? What's the, what caused that looseness of that tendon in that bone area? Well, deficiency somewhere and yep. too much of a resistance and that load, it couldn't be handled by that tendon on that bicep. Yep. Right. So now, but when you have that muscle tear, now you're dealing with the fibers. You see, so now your training doesn't have to change so much because that's all about contracting fully the fiber itself, healing and contracting. But with that tendon area being an issue and it pulling away from the bone where it's anchored, I could still use power movement. You see, I never had to worry about the weakness of the tendon, not necessarily the weakness of the muscle fibers. That makes okay? sense. Okay, so now being able to utilize that. I was more interested in when he showed me what he showed me by moving my thumb around, palm up, palm sideways, palm down, simply watching the belly of the bicep. Watch how it narrows out. Watch how the bicep belly folds. It gets really uh, left to right areas. like spread when the hand position is being altered. So when you think about that, you're, this is why my grips came into a play. We were talking about it earlier, the Vince Taylor grips. When I had that cable uh, workout approached to me by my doctor, it meant that you don't want to use heavy weight. Take, the, take that resistance away from your brain that you don't have to be forced to pick up some heavy weight. If you got a barbell, that's what you're going to do. But if you're using cable, you're putting your, that advantage of moving that kind of weight at a different, your body at different options. So now, if I'm standing here with a cable in my hand, and I know that that full contraction can be made by simply lifting the arm, the fingers slightly, because I'm contracting the bicep. I don't have to worry about bringing my forearm into play to lift the weight if I'm using a barbell. See, that's where you come into that power mode. So now being able to utilize, still contract the bicep, because that's where that training, that's where that development skill is still there, as far as my, my bicep or body responding to physical training and growing, as we talked about. But the, the disconnect was that tendon not being able to anchor that bicep. But now I can still continue that curl, get that contraction that I need to create that healthy full muscle development. I can continue that, that curling motion, not relying on the weight, because now that resistance is all based on contraction, mental contraction of my bicep first. So now I saw where I don't have to be using heavy weights to squeeze and get a full bicep. Look at the look of the execution of the weight how it's reflecting my training. So my concept became very simple. I don't need heavy weights to get bigger biceps to get this contraction. Look at it. I got the contraction, and that's based on utilizing a weight that I can handle, but the full contraction came from mentally contracting that muscle first. That's where my development came in. So if I'm utilizing full contraction first, it meant to me contracting muscle before I train any muscle. Get the power over that muscle that you're training. Contract it first because that's what you're trying to magnify by using the resistance to that muscle. Then you learn to be so heavy to get that maximum contraction. Step back, analyze what's going on, mm-hmm. take weight and resistance and go, that's B. All that is does is creates uh, intensity. Yep. But the process is contraction. I'm isometrically already contracting my muscle. I'm already in a muscle building phase, building my zone. I'm contracting my muscles. 
everything is still being stimulated. But to increase my stimulation, I can do that mentally first by just dialing up some intensity, or I can throw some weight to place on and go heavy. And now that's where you get to that guy. That's where you get that key, that instant gateway that says heavy is based on growth. If you can go heavy, you can get bigger. And I said, no, I still got bigger arms. I was going lighter because I'm using cables, but I'm getting that contraction. So contraction is what makes the muscle grow. It ain't that weight. That's what people should understand. And you can get contraction with light weight. Yeah, I I do agree with you. Like I said before, I I told you before, heavy weight training is like abuse to the Mm -hmm. body because your body is like a, I don't know, I want to say it's a delicate flower. It can handle more than that. So I I want to take the word Mm -hmm. delicate. It's something different. It's it's complex. It's smart. You don't have to lift four or five hundred pounds to do what you're trying to do to build your body. If you're trying to body build, now if you're powerlifting, right. that's something totally different. That's a whole it's different totally conversation. Different. Absolutely, conversation. it don't belong in this conversation. But if you're trying <laughs> to build your biceps, your triceps, it's contraction. It's pause, hold, hypertrophy, tension. That's what it's about. That's all it's about. The body doesn't know how much weight is lifting. What's lifting. There it is. But that contraction is something it understands when you get to that point. And and I I know it's from using your bands as I go down, my my wrist is out of place. So basically that's a synergy. So that's assisting me bringing my arms up. But I know a lot of guys that do biceps. I see a lot of guys Mm -hmm. with big arms. Their shoulders are always involved. Shoulders are always involved. The front delt is always involved. So you're getting energy from the forearm, the front delt. So how much is that going to your bicep? It got to be mental. There you go. There you go. And that's the whole thing. It's interesting to have mindsets to open up that, that, that big nutshell, right? If we can get people who talk about training, just say, listen, I know you're going to train. I know you know what you're doing. Step back. Let's just analyze what the muscle is doing, okay? Then we can associate that to the training later. But analyze what's going on in building muscle. Okay, that's where you get people's attention. When they see it doesn't matter if they're doing 50 pounds or or, or 20 pounds, the muscle is still doing exactly the same thing. That's true. Okay, curl weight, do a, uh, let's do a, since we're talking curling, curl. If you take no weight and you contract the muscle, internally, whatever's going on inside that muscle is happening. Okay. And it's going to give you a benefit. Mm -hmm. Right. Now we've noticed that. And then people started going, listen, if we double up on the resistance and you see how the muscle has to respond like a bee sting, but bee sting, you see that muscle swell up. What weight resistance does to muscle training as much weight as you're pulling, your body has a task to perform. So when that muscle swells up to create whatever it has to create to give you the need to create that type of power. My point is this. All you need to know is that there's activity going on in here. Let's let's learn more about the activity before we start associating all the gains from this activity with 50 or 60 pounds or 300 pounds. Yeah. Okay. Because it's, it's totally two different entities. So now when I have people think about training and they think they got to train heavy just to say, call themselves training. And what I said earlier, muscle activation is contracting that muscle. So we don't have to go to the gym just to contract the muscle by using a dumbbell and a barbell. We can stay home and do calisthenics and contract the muscle. Yeah. So now that we're contracting the muscle, let's understand what contraction does. And maybe if we start thinking and learning more about contraction and how that everything internally this muscle is working, then we'll get a better understanding on how to build a muscle yeah. because that contraction is what's building the muscle. 
not those weights. No, it isn't. And you know, <laughs> okay. you know what? There, there's a buzzword people are using called hypertrophy. And, and mm-hmm. I have a client I work with that people think lifting heavy weight creates hypertrophy when it comes to bodybuilding, right. but it does not. Building, contracting the muscle, like you said, contracting the muscle, uh, participate, it brings everybody into play. My, I give an example. When I do pull-ups, or I do scapular contractions first. I'm worked at mid, work the mid. Right. And as I come up, my scapula's already contracted already. So guess what? Mm-hmm. My lats and everything come into play. And that's the same right. thing with doing a roll movement. If I'm doing a roll, my my, my scap, my shoulder blade comes back, and then my arms come back. I don't just mm-hmm. I don't just move the weight because guess what? You're eliminating <laughs> your base to con- to do the contractional movement. You leave now the small. That's why a lot of guys' bodies. That's why people bo- backs don't look good. They're missing a lot of small pieces. And because they're not contracting the necessary body parts to contribute to the building of that muscle to make it look the way you want to look. And that's really important. And you, and you can see how they easily skip over that is because they're trying to put a workload, a weight load yep. in front of that muscle. Okay. That linear chain of muscles that says, listen, well, to move this, I need the big muscles. So all that resistance is going to go, you know, it's going to be the bigger muscles going to jump right in and start targeting. And you bypass the small, the secondary muscles because right. they, they, you know, they don't need it. So when you back out of that heavy power stuff and lighten it up, and now let's go down that chain and say, look, my forearm, the uh, flexor extending my forearm, I can train that with two fingers and train that one little muscle with three pounds, okay, and get that one little forearm muscle trained rather than take a fist grip and take a barbell that you see people on the side of benches doing that normal way of training forearms, mm-hmm. hang that bar over there, a 50, 60 pound bar and start cranking them up doing forearm raises. I'm like, okay, single one muscle out, use lighter weight, train that one little muscle. And if you train it by itself, I'm quite sure you can create a better development for that one muscle. Yep. Okay. Individually isolate it because that's what my tools allow you to do. Separate muscles and, and find, you can chain that muscle attached to that, lead. So you can isolate certain muscles and train that one muscle without relying on all the other muscles that are working with it simultaneously, of course, but you separate it when you're giving it direct attention. Now, if you can take that approach to a lot of your smaller muscles as you were developing, which I did in bodybuilding, I mean, that was called getting that quality physique. I would do the latissimus muscle, the heavy pull-down stuff. When you go behind the back and start breaking down all those individual muscles in the upper back, Mm-hmm. I want those muscles to be firing up by me just doing a, a pose on stage, squeezing, contracting, flexing. Okay. That's sharpening those muscles. Yep. Now for me to get to those individual muscles, I need to get enough weight to stimulate them. I got to get in there and contract them. So why would I want to do a five hundred no look, a hundred fifty pound pull down <laughs> to train to hit that small rim rimboid muscle back here when I can contract it? and work it individually by certain angles yep. and a lighter weight in alignment yep. and work it to its maximum, right? Yep. And develop that muscle. It doesn't get skipped over. So that's how we, in bodybuilding, you target every small, finite muscle. My serratuses were done the same way. I saw that I could do a serratus pullover. I'm using all this heavy weight to contract that muscle, but in order for me to pull that type of weight and hit those serratuses like I want to, the weight is so heavy, adjacent muscles are helping that whole movement take place before I get to the serratus. Yep. And by the time I get to the serratus, I'm not going to deliver that weight to the serratus I'm going to be given because it got sapped off 
by a bigger muscle that had to attack it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you, know, you, are, the movement. you are correct. One thousand percent. Because that's why <laughs> I mean, that, that's why people don't look the same anymore. Like y'all, your era, everybody looks beautiful. You can see every rhomboid details. Detail. Right? You can yeah. see you can see everything. Now you can't It just the, big, the bigger <laughs> muscles are taking over the small ones. That's why everybody back doesn't look. I don't know about absolutely. It doesn't. It doesn't look pleasing. It just look like a blah. This blah. Yeah. There it is. Like work done. I got it done. I painted that wall. But like, well, I I associate it to a woman putting on makeup. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a woman puts on makeup. Put that brush on. She put a whole thing on makeup. Okay. It's on. A whole a whole plate is on. Now she ain't using that big old brush to do her eyelids. She ain't using that big old brush to do a lip trim. She got yep. different tools yep. to get to all those looks, man. Yep. Detail. Yeah, that's so with me training, I got details. Now I like to pay attention to detail. And, and, and that's missing now with the young people. And like I said, in the in the, in the bigger leagues, it, it's it's missing. I think it needs to come back. It's called that's. I think mm-hmm. it's called. Is that called aesthetics? Yes. Yeah, and that's gone now. <laughs> I don't think it's aesthetics. No more. Exactly. It's, it's something else. It's this is something totally. <laughs> You take some physiques like um, one of the guys I enjoyed looking at his physique was uh, who's that guy who just he's an Olympian, not Phil Heath, but um, a kid, uh, uh, Brandon Carey. Not him. No, I'm not. The, I'm not a fan of that physique at all. Uh, 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 who was that last year? Not, not Phil. Oh, Sean Roden. Roden. Roden's physique, the flex wheeler physique, the Roden physique. You yeah. see the the aesthetic of those those types of looks. You can look at those physiques and start looking at each individual muscle. Group yeah. and body part, you know what I mean. Yeah. Because man, look at the radicals, look at the the ramboids. They're picture perfect. They're they've been trained out. Then you got those mass monsters. I feel like you come right out there, boom. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. But that's bodybuilding, man. It all depends what you're looking for. But, but there's a way to get to that, and that's, that's what we were discussing. I think that people get a uh, understanding on what weight does. Okay, what are you expecting from heavy weights and what the weight factor is supposed to do to your physique development versus detailed training uh, and actually working with those muscles, identifying that muscle and saying, you know what, my biceps should not have to be trained like my quads, my calves should not have to be trained like my shoulders. Are you preaching? So I should be training these muscles differently. Yeah, that's okay. True. And, and that, that has been my approach always using different angles. I can get that particular muscle. I want to train that muscle in the shape of which the muscle is, is being displayed. Okay. So a lot of exercises that are done from a. Now, what were you saying again? Man, I was saying so much. I forgot myself. No, you're fine. You're, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. But oh, it's, all, it's all good. I just link it to it. But, uh, but yeah, but, but, like, but like I was saying was, but the contraction, you're, the contraction has to be there. You have to stop and you have to stimulate and you have to control the movement and make it not about the weight you're lifting, but more or less about the movement and the mind-body connection to get the right. job done you're trying to get done so you can get that look you're trying to get. And that way, moving forward, you decrease your chances for injuries because you're not lifting the heavy weight and the weight is actually manageable to where you can contract and get the small muscles that are supporting the movement to be involved in right. the whole process. That way you build a different frame and you're more aesthetically pleasing to the eye because you look different like a Sean Roden look mm-hmm. and then you're, everything's lined out. It's like paper thin. It's like a, a roadmap of, of directions to go to somewhere because mm-hmm. it's there. There's no guessing missing spots. I don't know where I'm going next, but his body was like, it was dead on. He should have won. 
And, mm-hmm. and, and that's what it was. And that's actually, he, he was worthy of the championship. So that's where he is. And so to go back to where we're going, to go past where we're going to, that's why I think your events grips were like, were like, are like game changers for, I've used them for shoulders. I've used them for mm-hmm. bicep, tricep. I've used them for back. I use them for seated rolls. I use them for pull downs. Let me see what else I've used them for. I've used them for shoulders. I've used them for presses. Used them for lateral raises. I've used them for front raises. I've used them for, and I've used them for a lot of my bicep movements, my peaking movements. I use mm-hmm. them. Rota- I like rotating my my thumb, my palms out when I go up. It's like I call it like like you know peaking the movement. Uh, oh I, yeah. I've used them for tricep push downs, uh, overhead push. I've used them for all three heads of tricep, bicep. I've used them for all three heads. I've used them. I've, I've used. I use them all the time. That's great. So so what I want to talk about is. What, how, what got you to the point to come up with this product based off what you told me earlier about the interest, mm-hmm. but to bring up, come up the product right now and you're using it. It's in, it's been sold. People are using it. What is your plan for the product and going forward? Cool. It's relatively new because when I, I think I've, I had these things for five years now, but for the first three years, they were just for me. <laughs> okay. I made some in my garage. Uh, because the concept came directly from me having to go through a rehab when I tore my right tricep one of the years before the Olympia. And I was actually had an accident on a ladder. You know, I'm up there changing security lamps on my garage. And I got up on the deck of the, my roof uh, of the garage. And when I was descending down, you know, I flipped around my ladder. I, position my body to come back down on that ladder. And as soon as I stepped off that roof onto the, the ladder, it got, the ladder slid down. So I found myself clawing at the top of the garage and hit that, hit that driveway, my right side and tore my tricep. So that tear got me into my rehab, speeding it up. And as the movements I was asked to do with my standard tricep extension, Okay, with the cable machine, just going through the motions, contracting. Understand this is rehab. You're hurt. You're using this cable machine. You're lighting the weight. You're constantly just doing uh, actuation movements. You're doing you know continuous movements because you, you're, you're in that rehab mode. What I found out because it was the inner tendon. If you look at your bicep and you notice right on the inside of your bicep, that attachment right there was the one that was ruptured from the elbow going back towards the bicep. So. When I was doing my rehab motions in front of the cable machine, I had got this triangle-shaped everyday handle that you have on every piece of equipment in the gym. That triangle-shaped handle on, on the machine, I was started doing my extensions and doing my extensions. And I was talking to an individual and I took the, I was in the middle of changing my cable handles. And I just had that cable in my hand with a little the stop ball in my fist. And I was holding there talking and for some reason, I had stuck it between my pinky finger and, and I'm sorry, my first two fingers, as if I was throwing a baseball, okay, the first two big fingers. So I'm doing it, the cable extensions from behind, reach behind my ear, I grabbed the cable, and I, put, I just extended it. And when I extended it with just that little ball between my finger, it was like at the isolation of the resistance went to the outer horseshoe of my tricep. And that was shocking because it was like, wow, look at that. 
it just that one head actuated. So when I took the ball and moved it between the middle two fingers, then I felt that resistance target the lower tricep head or behind the tricep, of course, the mm-hmm. second head. Okay. I'm like, wow, this is ridiculous. Now, those two heads of the tricep are healthy. The third head, <laughs> you know, that inner one, that's the one where the rupture was on that side. So when I took the, the, team, the ball between my pinky finger and I put it in there and did the same extension, high extension forward, I felt that actuation on the exact tendon that was ruptured. So that told me right away, you're, you look, this exercise that you're doing to rehab your tendon, the resistance is being spread around all three heads of the tricep. But in this one position with the pinky finger, you're getting the total resistance attached to that one tricep head. Which, that's, so now you can actually direct your resistance in your rehab to the injured uh, tissue, okay? So that kind of made gave me an isolation approach. I said, wow, look at this. Now I'm injured, and I'm putting all this resistance and stimulation into this one area. I'm controlling the areas of resistance. That's how that concept came about, me just utilizing this for my rehab. But now as I was training, there is a fine line with me that says rehab and training, mm-hmm. okay, which is, you know, heavy training, physical training. So if you're injured, you're rehabbing. If you're healthy, you're just training because you're using the same equipment. Nothing changes. That was like, okay, light bulb moment. So now take that same mindset. And as I'm training my triceps and I'm looking at my tricep, and I'm thinking that horseshoe, how do I get that out of head right here? The first two fingers gave me that direct resistance, contraction, and control over that outer head of the tricep. So if I'm not in a rehab movement, and I'm going to use heavier weights because that's what I'm in the gym for anyway, thinking heavy weights make you grow, I can go back to some heavy training on just on that one head, which was totally true. So now I'm able to take my tricep training to a earlier stage of activation and stimulation using a lighter weight because that is still the same steps you take for growing, or as we say, trying to grow muscle. I'm utilizing this uh, physical approach and resistance approach, which I can control. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing that I'm now the concept was why annihilate a muscle every time you train it because of the current way you understand training. You got to go heavy, pyramid your resistance. Yeah. But now, if you just train that muscle in a rehab phase and get it back on board because that's what you're doing using lighter resistance until that muscle heals up and it's still being activated, still being stimulated, but the stimulation is at a lower level, okay, because you're not trying to go crazy with this. That muscle is getting healthy. The training I'm doing with that muscle is direct. The intensity is 100%. And now I'm saying to myself, if this muscle is going to respond because it's in a injured stage and I'm using a lighter resistance and these are the exercises that I have to do, and when it's not in an injured stage and it's healthy, I'm using heavier weights, that muscle is responding and getting bigger. Let me start off my muscle training at a lower intensity level to bring up the stability of my muscle, the quality. I mean, um, that's what I'm looking for. Um, I want that muscle to be, to be baked through. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to go from uh, five pounds and get going to the gym and going, go and give me a 20 pound dumbbell to start training with. All right. Maybe I don't want to do that. I want to use a five pound, but I understand I'm still getting the exact same stimulation. Mm-hmm. Everything is the same. Only thing different is the resistance level that I'm using. Okay, so you keep that in mind and you have people now want to go and get healthy. 
just want to go and do some, as we said earlier, muscle activation. They have a better understanding and correlation between how much weight do I need to stimulate that muscle? Okay. So to stimulate it, to activate it, is going to give me that muscle buoyancy. It's going to give me that muscle strength. I'm, I'm getting, I'm building a healthier muscle at a low grade. I can get that done. So if I'm doing, I'm 60 years old, or I want to do a different type of workout. I want to be healthy. I'm a lady. I'm a child. I just want to activate the muscle. I want to stimulate the muscle. And proof being is that you stimulate, activate with lighter weight and contraction will bring you to that green level. Okay. You want to more than you go to the red level. You go to the red zone. Mm-hmm. But the green level is already there just from pure calisthenics, muscle activation, mentally contracting that muscle and putting your muscle under a resistance type of training mm-hmm. that you can control and your muscle has to work. Like I said, it has to work function. It's functional training. Yeah. And that gives you that healthiness. Yeah. So Understanding what that resistance does, understanding what, how you can increase resi- um, intensity and make that work for you. So in my grips, I was able to control the intensity level, direct resistance to the area that I need. I'm trying to train rehab and or growth. Okay. So now with these grips, they just put you, they put you in a, a control position, unlike your other barbell and dumbbell. Because the barbell and dumbbell gives you full grip power. It just activates everything in that linear muscle chain because it's a, you're trying to do something with this movement. You're gripping something to either pull or push. Be, depending on the resistance that you're trying to move, will ha- determine how much muscle you got to put into it. It's true. So now, if I just want to go ahead and activate my muscle and don't have to worry about pushing a lot of resistance, but I know I'm going to be activated, I'm going to use a lighter muscle and I get a quality workout, a yeah. quality re- uh, rebuild. Yeah. So my, uh, my grips are tools. They're shaped like that because the, they want to sit in that finger fold to keep the palm open. Once that ball and the different size balls that I use, a one and a half inch ball, uh, one and three quarter, and a two inch. The two inch ball is almost similar to a tennis ball, a little smaller. But the purpose is when you put that tennis ball between your two fingers, I call the your, the fang fingers, okay? Mm-hmm. You put the ball between those fingers right there. You want that to be a comfortable radius. You don't want those fingers stretched or they want to spread in the fingers too wide. So I wanted to place an item in the middle part of the thing, like a baseball, that allows you to grip it, to control it, because you're not gripping anything. It's not a grip anymore. It's a control method. Yeah. You just want to put that ball in those finger folds. That's, that's why anybody can use it. Okay, you don't have to make a grip. You just want to put that in, that in the finger fold like that, in that flex area. Now, by it being there, you're instantly training your fingers. You're keeping your fingers on the flexible type of training atmosphere because you have to caress that ball. So you're actually all the time flexing. You got activity going in that in your hands, stimulating your hands, okay, already. That's the one benefit we have from this utilizing that grip. Okay. Get that stress off of that grip. Open palm, stimulation, fingers mm-hmm. caressing the grips. And then by that loose grip there, it does not demand you to have to use heavy weight to contract the muscle that you're trying to get to. Okay. So now you can use any muscle for whatever the level you're trying to train with. Let's say you're doing a rehab. So the ball being like it is, you use a five pound, three pound first stack weight plate on the machine. You can handle that and it won't hurt your fingers. Okay. The larger guys, I think the bigger ball, I looked at that as being the radius that makes the grip 
comfortable, the finger bowl comfortable. I don't want a, a guy with large fingers using a smaller ball because it puts too much of a gripping action in the fingers, you know, as, as if you're trying to grip a bar. Okay, I, get I want you just to be, I just want it to be open. Yeah. I want to be naturally hanging open as if you just let your hands hang down naturally in front of you. It gives you a slight little curve, concave. So I want to keep that natural look. I just want to put a ball in there and say, look, I don't want you activating your fingers and forms to make a grip because we don't want the form activation in this gripping. We want a grip-free a movement here. So by making a fist, you got to activate other muscles. By keeping the palm open, you got to keep the resistance from those flexors being in play. So now when you go to make a same exercise that you've done every day for years with that bar, you notice that as soon as you make that fist, you got to activate those forms. I'm not training forms. I want to train my shoulders. I want to train my, my, my bicep. I want to train my chest. I don't want to train my forms, but now you have to. My grip allows you to open that palm up, right? Take the resistance out of, you know, cut that form out of the equation almost 90%. Now, whatever muscle you're trying to train, that muscle should be activating by itself for the first time. Or put it this way, 90% less stress on that muscle because you don't have that form dictating you trying to use power. So the benefits of these grips, one, is just full comfortableness of the hands. Stress release for your fingers, neck gripping action. We don't want those type of problems with your hand gripping, knuckles getting stiff after a while from old age and arthritis and everything else. My point is this, keep that wrist loose because the grip is already being controlled. That's what the term grip is controlled. Put the ball in, the, in either one. The size of, again, the large one is best because I think the fingers need to be spread more to have the tendon and the, the freedom in the hand. I want those hands just relaxed. So if you put a, a larger ball in there, you get more relaxed. But if you get a smaller one, you can create more power. And I don't want you to create power in this position. So that single ball between the fingers is to open up those fingers, get the resistance out to form, and now it allows you to make that muscle that I said, remember I told you earlier when I train, I'm going to make sure I train the muscle first mentally. I want to be able to flex that muscle before I even start the exercise. Yeah. Whatever movement I'm doing. And if people use that, approach to their training any level let that muscle contract get control of your muscle first contract that muscle now you're in the building phase because you're controlling the contraction you can add to it or take away by adding more resistance but right now you're controlling that but get control of your mental contraction and control of those muscle groups anyone and now with that tool because of the form is not involved you're going to see right away you're not as strong as you used to be on the same exercise you did the day before. That 30-pound dumbbell that you were curling with my grips because you're not using that form, but you're still doing the exact same motion. You, there's no difference in the motion. The curl is a curl. But the bicep now, because that's the dominant request of what that exercise is for, that muscle is getting 90% of the resistance like it never did before. Not because you're utilizing, you're training lighter, it's because you're not using the form. It's not helping in that kinetic chain of resistance. Yeah. I so that's what I'm doing with that grip. So these beneficial because they're healthy hand training. Yeah. Number one. Number two, it, it demands that your body takes on a lighter approach to training because you have to control the weight that you're utilizing. 
you have to look out for the fact that your fingers are not as strong as muscles in your body or, or uh, uh, leaves in your body. So you don't want to damage your fingers by trying to do 50 pound curls with two fingers. Okay. You want to do a five pound curl with two fingers. But now here's the magic. Uh, Eugene, why, why I got you thinking this way with me? Here's the magic. Think about a barbell and a dumbbell. And for most people hear this. Why do people do barbell curls and dumbbell curls? Okay. It's ABC. It's cookie cutter. It's grandfather clock in. Mm-hmm. You go to the gym, barbell, dumbbells, get your routines, X amount of these, X amount of these. And then they're going to tell you, I'm going to do a barbell because um, it's a power movement. I got to get, I can, absolutely. Two hands, two feet. You're the strongest you're going to ever be in lifting and pushing anything. Yeah. Both of them working together. Now, when you got a, okay, let's go with a 75 pound curl bar. Okay, go on. Barbell curl. Now, if I give you the dumbbells, why, why do you use a, a 50 pound dumbbell? Okay, you want to stay heavy. You want to match it up to, you want to go as heavy as you can. Mm-hmm. Look at the exercise. What's going on with that muscle? Nothing. Nothing, you're right. It goes from A to B. You got a grip in your hand, a barbell. You got dumbbells, which is a shorter barbell. But now you're going to go from a 75 pound barbell curl to a 50 pound uh, dumbbell curl. And I'm asking myself, why are you? And then they'll tell you it's concentration curl. I'm got it's, it's a concentration curl. You have to do it slower and you have to contract. So the barbell you're going to do slow if it's heavy because you can't move fast, weight heavy. Okay. So then you're going to use a dumbbell because it's a con- concentration curl. What's, but what's the muscle doing? The muscle's still going from A to B. Yeah. There's no change. So why do you need two different types of curls? That's what I'm getting to. You know what? Just I do all your work with the barbell yeah, or the dumbbell. Yeah, it makes sense. I you know? Yeah. But you got people who tell you, they, I got to do it this way. I got to do it that way. Okay, you need a dumbbell, you need a concentration curl. I get it. To me, they're the same thing. <laughs> Just a shorter bar versus a longer bar. You know what? You, you, you are right. Now, now I, I, you know, I prefer more dumbbells more because I like to peak the movement. And I know it's that mm-hmm. the, vent, the vent grip, they allow you to do the same exact thing. And yeah. you can, you pick, because I, I wrote and I go up, I don't just go up straight because when your hands, because your thumb automatically rotates in like it's going towards your pick, but you got to emphasize and rotate your own radius out for right. it to come up and your pinky comes in towards your shoulder, which is contracting mm-hmm. the bicep to peak. Bars don't do that, but your bench grips, they do that and they allow you to come up and then because your wrist is broken and you come up and there's a peak there with the contraction right. movements. And, and of course, not to cut you off, Eugene, but of course, that is in rotation. Yeah. I, my, I have a training principle that I wrote along with my training philosophy and my grips. It's called joint rotation and recoil, J-R-R-P. Now, what that's, again, joint rotation recoil. If you analyze the, a curl, the way I, I, way I look at it, that's why I named the joint rotation recoil. All I'm doing is if you extend your hand out in front of you and you put your palm down, the first thing I want to do is with my grips, for example, I want you to rotate your palm over, okay? By rotating that palm over, you're putting movement and you're putting elevation in that elbow. All you're doing here, you watch the elbow. When you rotate your palm, look what happens to your elbow. Tendon alignment starts shifting, Mm -hmm. okay? So now, in that position, and your bicep, you watch your bicep. Once you shift it over, now the bicep is flat from A to top to bottom. Now, if you continue to just pull straight back, you'll get a full flex bicep. Now, it's going to flex out and max out by the peak or by the distance of your curling action. Your palm is straight ahead, 
by the time you curl towards you and get close to your forehead, then you're going to notice the top peak of the bicep happening right there at 12 o'clock. That alignment with your, with your wrist, your bicep and your, uh, your hand mm-hmm. should be at 12 o'clock, mm-hmm. straight up and down, okay? Now, my grips, all, you got a fully contracted bicep, you make a fist. What happens is with my grips is once you open the fingers, right? Now you, the bicep itself is stretching because of the belly of the bicep and the tendon attachment is spreading out. It's not narrowing in as if you had that one power grip with the fist. Open that, open that palm up. Then when you contract, you see the fullness of that belly of that bicep being contracted internally all the way up, okay? Not just narrowly when you make that fist, you narrow it out. But when you open it up, it just, the whole bicep contracts from the bottom belly all the way through. By having that peak action and having the light enough resistance in that chain of events, when you start pulling that bicep back towards you, and now you got more resistance going on inside of that bicep, peaking at the top, going even higher in your peak, with that palm being open because you have more room to contract. It's more room. So that's where you get your peaking at the very top of the bicep, not the back of the bicep, because you can get to the top of that motion. When you have that fish, you can't get that high. No, you it's can't. Gonna, it's 12 o'clock, it's going gonna, it's gonna to it's gonna bottom out. Yeah, you're when right. the palm is open, it gives you that extra three inches, go right to the head, to the top of your bicep. And the fact of it is, it's only a, the bicep is exploding like that at the top because it doesn't have that resistance pulling in away, okay? Contracting, reverse contracting, pulling in the pulling in resistance in a different direction. Mm-hmm. So with the, my grip, you're allowed to let that bicep get reach its fully maximum roundness or the shape of that bicep. The fibers get to fill out. You're not stretching those fibers out because that heavy resistance on it, pulling it, trying to control that weight. Lighten up that weight. Let those fibers of A to B, muscle fibers, let them get saturated. Saturated with blood. Mm-hmm. Because you don't have that resistance squeezing it back to the tissue. I mean, it's like a sponge, man. I do this stuff so long, I've been doing it for so many years, and you just, you see it, and you just watch, you watch your muscle movement. I used to see some things on the internet where they show you what's happening on, uh, when they, what they, they put those red lines inside the muscles, uh-huh. and they show you the activation points in the muscle. And you can see how your muscles are moving, the fibers are moving in there. If you're trying to, one, what, thicken the fibers of the muscle is done when you got the muscle saturated with blood, mm-hmm. okay? You see that fullness in there. You get a control, you can control the shape of that muscle belly by not saturating those fibers as much by utilizing less weight. But now when you maximize and stretch those fibers out as maximum can, you send them out with that weight, your muscles elongated and a, a, a relaxed muscle full of blood that you see on stage, you got light contraction to it, loaded up, those fibers are full, is because you don't have that resistance in it. Change the fiber of the muscle. And how do you do that? Put more blood in certain areas of the muscle. How do you do that today? You don't. Because no. you got that barbell, and that no. muscle is going to work exactly like that. Yeah. But now with my grips, like I told you before, you put it between the two fingers, just like it did the tricep head, it shifts to, the, to different heads. Mm-hmm. Down the bicep muscle itself, you're going to go down, which I call zones. You're going to go down different zones of the muscle by attaching that ball in the front two fingers. It's going to hit the out, outside of the fibers of the muscle. And you look at those fibers actuating when you're actually training with that particular weight. The light weight, you watch the contraction, and you'll see the area where your resistance is going to. That's redesigning. 
These yeah. grips allow you to redesign your look for anybody. Yeah. I'm talking. About, I'm not talking about somebody on stage. You look at somebody's bicep and go, man, you need this should be fuller, thicker. Now, the first thing these guys are doing right now, what do they do? They're in the gym. Yeah. They got the barbell, the dumbbell, the fist grip, and they're trying to get more weight because they got to get bigger. And it works, don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is that take that muscle, divide those fibers, shoot more blood flow into those fibers at a lighter resistance, but maximize those areas even fuller with more intensity by utilizing a direct isolation approach. Yeah. And that creates a different look to your bicep or any muscle. I'm doing it with my biceps. I'm doing it with my calf muscle as well. Because I have bands that I put between the toe that actuate the foot. So when you take, take all your tennis down there, it hits the side muscles inside of your, your shin. You see the muscles alongside of the, the calf. Each one, when you place the ball between the toe, it will activate a different muscle in the calf. Okay. People don't, you don't see that. It's just like your form and your fingers. They're built almost identically alike. You see those, when you flex your fingers, you see the muscles moving in your form. Flex your toe, you see the same ones moving in your, in your calf. So when you would like to take a muscle in your calf and say, let me train that one. <laughs> okay? People want to know how you train your calf muscles. Right now they're doing calf races, right? Mm-hmm. And that's just, all the muscles are being activated normally. That's, that's nothing. But they're going to do more and more and expect those muscles to grow. Yeah. Okay, fine. Stay on that approach. But what I'm telling you now is pick one of those muscles out and let's just work that single muscle by placing that ball and that band resistance attached to that ligament alignment and work that one particular muscle. I got isolation with these grips. Okay. Again, I say it controls your control over training. Yeah, it it, it does. When I was using them for biceps and triceps and shoulders and I'll just test them out. I noticed Mm -hmm. that I really couldn't lift as much weight but the pump was exactly the same as I would let the Amazing. heavy weight because I didn't have to lift that heavy weight to get the contractional. I didn't there have to lift go. to get that excess rib, a lot of red blood, red flow mm-hmm. going through the muscle, get that pump going. Mm-hmm. I didn't really need all that. And I was That's fatigued. Right. And the next day I was actually sore because when I say sore, I was sore from, because usually lifting weight, you got to lift a lot of weight, especially I'm experienced. It takes a lot for me to get sore. But when I was using those, because right. I was not, I was not using my form, my synergist muscles, which is my form, and my my shoulders were not involved in the movement because my arms were tight and I was pulling only with the bicep, the outer and inner head, the bicep of two muscles. I was pulling with that Pacific muscle. I was sore, but I'm like, I didn't do anything mm-hmm. really. I only lifted mm-hmm. the minimum, but because I was not using my wrists, I was not squeezing, I was not transferring energy. From every muscle in my arm, it was only specifically right. from the bicep. That means the bicep got maybe like about 80 to 90% of the movement versus a normal bicep curl. That's why a lot of people lift a lot of heavy weight. Mm-hmm. It's because you're using, it's made, I'm going to give an example, I'm going to say maybe 5% maybe for the hands because you got a grip to stabilize from the forearm. So you got maybe right. 20% for the forearm when it hands to the forearm and then your shoulders are involved. And that's a maybe another 5%. So you got 20, 25, 30% total that's eliminated from your bicep movements. This is the reason why you have to lift heavier weight to get that pump in. So based off of that and using your bands, they were totally different because mm-hmm. I didn't have to use that heavy weight to curl up. Guess what? Mm-hmm. The contraction was good at five pounds. The contraction was good at 10 pounds. The contraction even is. heavy at 20 pounds. And when I got, I, I think I maxed out at 50 pounds and that was way too uh-huh. much weight. It was way too much weight. 20, <laughs> 30 pounds was that sweet spot because 
I was able to control my fingers right. were not stressed because I do a lot of wrist movement. My wrist is pretty strong for what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. But just on that, that 20 pounds, 30 pounds was like, was like perfect. And I was, yeah. and I maxed out at that because 50, 60 pounds, 70 pounds, that's not necessary. You don't need to do that. It works right. because you can control and contract and you can stimulate, stretch, contract, and it's, you get all the blood that you need and you get absolutely growth. you get growth from that and that's all you need purposely and now you can see with that mindset how you can influence people to think about uh, revamp your thinking on training yeah you know what i mean let's come to the gym that's why i started throwing optical names out so listen you come in to train i get it I, my training is called details repetition daily blah 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 that's training to me but now let's put you into a, a muscle activation program yeah okay slash training Everything we just talked about is muscle activation. Yep, that's all. You know, at its best, that is enough to get most couch potatoes and people like myself now who don't really want to train anymore. But when they want to do something, do this and understand that it's functional. It's working. It's not because you're not going to the gym. That's why it's not working. You know what I mean? Not you're not using that barbell, that dumbbell. You're utilizing something that takes what you're doing. The approach is at a different level. The results are at a different level, but it's effective at the end because it creates the results that we want. But it's a change of approach to the mindset. People got to understand you can activate the muscle and equals training. Yeah. Okay. Activation is what's going on with that muscle. (laughs) You know, we want that muscle to do something. And you learn, you activate it mentally. So let's work quality. Mm. You know, you get something out of working with the mind over muscle first. That's always been my, my approach. Train the muscle, control the muscle, understand what it needs. Don't buy into them cliches. You got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do that. Because everybody's built differently. Yep. You yep. know, what yeah. works for me? Hey. Work with your blueprint only, not with others. And don't, don't, let the books, don't let the books guide you to what do what somebody's is doing. Stay in your lane. Do what's working for your DNA, your structure. And then, and just keep it simple. You're not trying to bodybuild and lift all the heavy there weight. There you go. Just keep it simple. Take it easy. Keep it the simple. The better results you get, and less injuries you're gonna have, and the better quality body you're gonna get. But you know what? Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I'm listening. Now I'm gonna say because I love what we're meeting at on that, and when people who hear what we're talking about, those are for the folks who want to say, okay, listen, let me revamp my training for a minute. Let me yeah. rethink my training. Okay, let me think. Take a step back and say. Why does five pounds make a difference than 15 pounds? Let them answer that question rather than just automatically going to it. Why are you taking five more pounds? And when they start thinking about, okay, it's more weight. So more weight means what? To the muscle. Yeah. And if they can't, when, when they start thinking that way, then you will get them on a different approach to thinking because it's like, hey, you're right. The muscle's just going up and down. Whether I, people even talk about mentally training. Here's another thing, uh, Eugene, I'll throw this in there real quick. Mentally putting that together as well. Yeah. I, I used to watch guys come in to train, man, and I used to laugh and go like, you know, this joking. this guy's serious, man. His eyes are bugged out, they're red, he got these veins in his head, and he ain't talking to nobody. He's mad over there, he's slapping himself upside the head to train, he's zoned in, he's focused. Okay, and he's going to do all that to lift 200 pounds. Okay, I'm like, mine. Woo. Now, I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> okay, I'm thinking to myself, whether I'm happy, whether I'm sad, or just told a joke, 
Uh-huh. What difference does it make how I feel when I go to get that, push that weight off of me? Yeah. 200 pounds is 200 pounds. Yeah. Okay. So if I'm happy doing it, what does that mean? So if you're sitting over there all red eyed, you can't talk to nobody, you so zoned in and focused. What 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 do you get out of that? Hey, what does know, that man. do for you? I'm trying to figure out the magic because see, look, if I see you over there looking like crazy like that, I, I guess I better go look crazy like that because that's what you got to do. See, those are the sublingual messages. Man, <laughs> when they see you. me training, I agree. With I'm, laughing. I'm, I'm quiet when I'm training. I'm quiet. I don't say anything. I don't grunt. I don't make any noise. It's just like I can do 200 pounds and get up and have a conversation with somebody else and keep going. I'm I'm happy. I'm happy to be there because happiness breeds functionality for the muscles. You want to be there. It's happy. There's no stress. You're not fighting mm-hmm. against yourself. So guess what? Why would you abuse yourself while you're working out? But people say, hey, get your mind in the game. Get focused. Move this heavy weight. I'm like, oh, okay. I, I just, I don't know. I don't, I, don't yeah. see, I don't see purpose doing it. I don't even holler in the gym. I don't even grunt. Good. It doesn't I make any guys, sense. And that's, I see personalities. You see, that's what gets to me. That's what guys doing things. You go like, man, this joke, he's so, man, he's so fired up. He's so gunned up. He. He, he mad at the world, <laughs> but, but he's, a, he's a bodybuilder. He got to be that way to be a bodybuilder. Nah. So like, just wait on look. That two hundred pounds on don't care about how I'm looking. If I'm in here with some shorts on or some or some tights on, that, that, that two hundred pounds is two hundred pounds. Don't even care. So let's let's recognize what we're doing here in the first place, yep. and then when you realize from the very beginning to this. Why am I lifting this muscle? You know, what, so what makes the muscle grow? If that's your purpose. Yeah. I want, I'm going to the gym because I'm going to get big. I got to grow. You don't get big and grow in the gym. No, you should Yeah, you get big and grow. You grow at home. You grow at home. You're sleeping and you eating. Yeah. And you go to work in the gym. Yeah. yeah you show <laughs> that's them. all you're doing. Yeah. And, and but you're growing there. And that, that's true because I know that if you... If the weight, if you continue increasing the weight, it's not even really necessary. You can just pause the weight, slow the tempo down, change the direction mm-hmm. of your movement, change the, the pattern of your exercises, and that makes all the difference. If you're lifting exactly. 100 pounds, slow the tempo down. Go five seconds up, two seconds down, guess what? There you go. That weight sound exactly. feels heavier. And, and and again, when you do those things, you create a different type of intensity. Yep. Now, when you create that intensity, then you say, again, this is me, right? I step another step back. What does intensity do to this whole process of what I'm here for? I'm here to, to, to grow these muscles, get big, okay? A crazy level of big. So this type of intensity is required, but where does that fit into that whole pit, the puzzle? I like to put a blueprint on the wall and go like, intensity is over here. It affects the muscle how, okay? Now, how much personally does the intensity help me in my own growth? Whereas Maybe my food intake was more important to me and my growth yep. than the intensity. So I have a chance to, wow, I'm asking these questions, then I have a chance to identify them. Yep. But for the average person, they're not asking questions like that. No, they're they're just asking how many reps, how many sets, how often, and how much do you charge? Yeah, it's more, okay. than, that. It's more than that. You're, you're, you're definitely correct. It's more than that. It's, it's, it doesn't make any sense. But like I said, but just using your grips, I had a whole different I, I came to a conclusion to a whole different understanding on how contraction works. Even though I, mm-hmm. I knew how it worked, but right. understanding differently from using your product, which kind of put my mind in a different space. I'm like, okay, this is not really necessary. And that's why I know I see now that they invented mach- the cable machines because mm-hmm. this is the purpose. It don't need this. You can structure every, your whole body to do what you need to do under different kind of tension. 
So with your right. bands, with your balls, you can travel with them. You can attach them to bands because I've used them with put the hooks in them, uh, hook mm-hmm. them with a regular band, small, short. Absolutely. You can travel with them. You can do anything you want to take them in the gym and you can mm-hmm. the user friendly. You can try the user friendly. You can't say that I don't have no piece of equipment to do anything with because right. you, you have them with you on a regular basis. So and, and take a look at it. And when you see the tool itself, understanding that tool is going to instantly lighten the resistance that you are going to be using because it puts emphasis on the first muscle, not the extra muscle. Then it makes you train differently. Then it gives you a different appreciation of why I want to train this way, how I need to look, what am I training? I'm training this muscle this way because I see it now. Okay. I get it. But now I'm not going to get this if I'm just going to go with the concept of heavy, you know, ABCs, heavy, that's all it takes. Man, you got to be able to, and then you got to take that terminology. It's not always, training is what you think you say to get to where you want to go. But if it's training, your you soul with, stick to the word training. Me, I'm done 2020, I'm into muscle activation, okay. which equals 1981, 1982 train. Okay. All right? So, <laughs> me and Haney was talking to you last week, at least said to me, that this, I'm, I got me a 50 pound dumbbell. That's all I'm doing. That's my training. I said, exactly right. Because yeah. I go into the gym myself now to just to start training after my career, my understanding of exercises and, and this whole 30 years of this stuff. Now that I've been out, I'm 64. I have been training for two, almost two and a half years, actually training. It's probably over three years. Mm-hmm. I've been playing with my grips, making up my training program, utilizing the resistance, working with different exercises. But to put together routines, I saw right away that my type of approach to target muscles, like you do on your training program, train all your body parts. I'm training this way, under this direction, under this type of resistance, because my result that I'm looking for is different. Before, my result was 21-inch arms, you know, 54-inch chest, all that. Now, my result is quality, sturdy, round, shapely-looking muscles for an old man. Yeah. And people looking at me going, man, this, you look pretty good. What you doing? Muscle activation. I'm in the gym right now for my grips twice a week, 30 minutes in front of the cable machine. I'm hitting targeting each muscle. Okay. Now I will sew in, which I plan on doing next week. I'm training again. I'm trying to think about when I get a buzzing three or four weeks of this type of training, muscle activation, cable machine, doing my movement, using my grips. I will go get a barbell and I would do a two handed movement just to add a little resistance training, power movement. Okay. So that never changes. I'll use a barbell with a heavy weight on it. Heavy. That's a, that's a loose term, okay? My curl right now, my barbell curl, maybe 50 pounds. That's nice. I got 50 pound barbell curl. I finished that barbell curl because what if I utilize 50 pounds for? I'm utilizing that as a heavy movement to stimulate my muscle. Now I want to move over to a transitional movement to work that same muscle working in the same direction, okay? But I'm going to utilize a different approach to it, a different targeting section to it. So I can break that muscle down and train it into certain areas first, that same area, tissue and everything. I'm just attacking it differently and look at the results that I'm getting from it. That's giving me the, 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 the go ahead to say, man, your arms look great. Your forearms, because you're hitting those muscles, you're keeping them vibrant and they're not sagging on you. They're looking in the park and you're not killing yourself. Yeah, that's saying that Chuck Norris says, I want to keep my arms strong, so I don't want to grab my arm telling me that I look flappy now. <laughs> yeah. I told him, listen, my thing, 
strong. I tell people, dude, and they'll let you know I'm not strong. Vince Taylor, he trains light all the time. But Vince Taylor got 21 inch arms. So he's still looking strong, but he's training light. Yeah, he's using a 20, 20 pound dumbbell. That's, that's How does he do that? Yeah, because I'm utilizing the contraction. Yep. I'm not utilizing the weight. It came along, but don't get me wrong, all that weight training I'm doing and uh, exercise and weight handling for other groups in the training concept, yeah, you're going to get that collateral damage, okay? You're going to get some size growth, the muscle is going to react differently because you're doing something to make it do that. Yeah. But when you control that, and that's why I say my Vince Taylor weight resistance training program is for everybody. It is a prerequisite to training because you get to learn how your muscles should be reacting. You should see what your muscles are doing under a resistance that you're controlling mm-hmm. and understand the only reason why you're using this resistance because you think you want this muscle to get bigger if your vision is growth. Or people will use that resistance and increase it for strength building. Another direct attachment that you can control. You see them correlation. But at the beginning, you need to treat those muscles just like we just said, man. They should be nurtured. They should be fertilized. They should be brought to that working, normal, Joe Public, everyday person's level. Mm -hmm. And you should know how to maintain that. I do. By doing muscle activation and not necessarily just laying around doing nothing. I do agree with this. Yeah, that's true. So what we're going to do is, so before we end this, I want to mm-hmm. ask you one question. What do you see Got fitness? You. What do you see fitness going? What do you see? Where you see all this stuff going right now with everything uh, trans with all this information out there? People know everything, don't know nothing. And all these trends are going on. People not taking it back to the basics. What do you see? What do you see fitness rehabilitation going in the next generation? It, it's just, it's going to, the evolution is going to continue to go the same um, direction. Because it's going to be risk reward. If you're taking the average, look at all the fitness levels right now, okay, from the average person to competition levels and the bikinis and the figures, and they, they have something for everybody, you know? So nothing that we're seeing right now is going to change. I think what you're looking at now versus the 90s look versus this look, they're still cookie cutter. They just look like somebody blew more air in them. I okay. I got it. Okay. <laughs> All right. So now the training didn't change. Okay. Cause you're still doing the same thing. You still use dumbbells, barbells, and dumbbells, cable machines or regular machines. Nothing's going to change. Everything is going to continue to change. It's just going to be the perception of what's supposed to be the look now. And right now they can't find it. Yeah. It's almost like women's bodybuilding. They couldn't find that balance between uh, physique, woman's physique, Miss Olympia to now bikini and fitness. So now you go back to Miss Olympia, what do you want us to look at when you talk about heavy-duty, hardcore muscle? That's the same direction. Bigger, stronger, thicker. So I don't think there's going to be a way to change the direction of the look of where this whole thing is going. But for the average person, I think how to get there is going to, needs to be, it's going to be readily more acceptable when they see that the method that they're using, that they bought into for all these years, they're skimming over it to get to a next level to whereas this level doesn't change. It just gets tweaked. You tweak it to here, you tweak it to there because the core goal that you have is to make that physical change, but your tools are the same and your tools haven't changed. You're going to get, you're going to continue to get the same results result that you got right now. Okay. It's going to be the same. So I don't see it. I don't see it going anywhere. I think you have more conversation about how people are training versus how they're looking. 
That's good for me because it keep me in business. So with that, what we want, what I want to do now, I want to tell everyone out there in the land that can hear us about how they can get the Vince grips. Okay, the the best way to get the Vince grips will be directly from my website, which is going to be vincetaylorgrips.com. That's the best way. I'm on this social media. I'm advertising there as well. Soon I'll be doing some other marketing uh, avenues. I hope. But right now, directly from my website is the only ones that are not in stores. That is the next evolution of the business I'm trying to, trying to put together. But Vince Taylor Grips, worldwide, internet, that's the best bet today. VinceTaylorGrips.com. Okay, so VinceTaylorGrips.com. And what about your social media handle? What, 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 where are you at? LinkedIn, I'm Instagram? Just, I'm just on Instagram, Facebook and Instagram. Facebook, you know. Instagram. Okay, how did they find you? Uh, you will find me on Vince Taylor on Facebook. And Vince Taylor 50 on Instagram, which I might have to change to 60 since I'm over 60 now. <laughs> oh, so, okay. you know, Vince Taylor 60. And I, was, I did that when I was 50. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Well, ha- <laughs> hey, man, it's been a pleasure hearing from you. Hope we can have more talks in the future. But it, this was really great. And I look forward to doing more with you. And you keep up the work, what you what you got going on. And I think it's going to change the way people see fitness going forward. If they don't, they ignorant. I put it like that. <laughs> it's change. Sometimes change is hard, and I love talking to you, Eugene. It's just bringing it back a lot. We have covered a lot of information for a lot of people, man. Just to, if they hear it, they should get curious about it. They want to know more about self-thinking people like you and myself, and our reputations and what we've been doing. If you want to learn more about what we're doing and how we approach training and, and the wealth health and wellness. Hey, they need to hit this podcast up more often and get with you. And I'd love to be a guest on your, on your show more often in the future, man. And, and bring out this word. Training is evolutionized. So I think we got a chance to educate a lot of people or just have those people get those light bulb moments to know that they already know what we're talking about. Yeah. They just got to you know, back on. They already know. Yeah, it. Gotta the, wake con- them up. the conversation is always good and important. It brings people back to the it wakes people up a little bit and gives them yeah. some way of thinking about things differently. Absolutely. All righty, guys. Thank y'all. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to let y'all wouldn't let y'all go. So Vince Taylor, I appreciate you for being a guest of ours. Stay tuned, guys, for more.